Welcome to the Yoga Wisdom Podcast. I'm your host, Saraswati Clare, an award-winning documentary filmmaker and owner of Yoga Kula from the San Francisco Bay Area. Join us to hear from the world's leading experts on yoga, teachers, doctors, scientists, and scholars. To study more deeply with these inspiring teachers, check out the courses on our website, In this new era, where we have the opportunity to envision and create a new world, the practices of yoga help us to live more consciously so that we can create a better inner and outer world. To help others find us, please leave your comments on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. Tiffany Cruikshank is the founder of Yoga Medicine, a community of teachers focused on fusing anatomy and Western medicine with traditional yogic practices to serve the medical communities. She has trained thousands of teachers around the world and has been featured regularly in major media outlets. She's authored two books and has released over 150 classes on Yoga Glow. She has a background in acupuncture and sports medicine. Tiffany also has founded and continues to run two nonprofits, one conducting research on yoga's therapeutic benefits, and the other supporting a shelter for women rescued from trafficking in Delhi, India. Hi, Tiffany, it's Saraswati. Hi, nice to be here. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for, for joining us today. Very excited to talk with you. Um, and I wonder if I, I would like to start with just asking about um, the mission of yoga medicine. Yeah, as um, my background in yoga and uh, Chinese medicine and working within the healthcare system, uh, really it was really recognizing that we, we have a broken medical system. We have burnt out physicians. We have broken communities political and environmental catastrophes really separating us. And, and our goal really at Yoga Medicine is to to educate and empower teachers to use yoga more therapeutically based on a deeper understanding of both anatomy, physiology, and the integration of, of modern science and research with really these traditional practices and, and experiences that we have from decades of study. Um, and really so that we can create an, an international community of, of experienced teachers who can support the individuals in the healthcare systems. So, um, you know, we have so much limited information and research on yoga these days. One of our other, one of our nonprofits is also a one focused on research. Um, we're getting ready to do our first study, but I would say yoga medicine is really about modern yoga to support our unique, evolving, changing needs, which are constantly changing. And I think what we do so well is provide innovative, really purpose-driven content based on both both science and research as well as the tradition, which is it's kind of hard to navigate that middle path, but recognizing that we have, you know, decades of experience that has a meaningful impact on our life as well and our communities and and trying to leave space for the power of what we can explain, the energetic, the spiritual practices and 
um, using that kind of purpose-driven content to find clarity in the noise. Even in the yoga world, we can feel really overwhelmed with all the different opinions and styles and things. Mm. And for me, it's not always like a right or a wrong, but really about having a purpose and remembering that our body is designed to move in all these different directions and to adapt to challenges and stress. But it's really our job as teachers to guide our students to feel better by providing the right challenges, whether that's the tissues or the mind or the spirit to, to grow and evolve and and I guess one of our other missions is really raising the bar on, you know, yoga teaching as a profession to help the public realize that there's a place for really every style of yoga. But if you if you need therapeutic support, you you might need a more highly trained teacher that has some of the Eastern and Western knowledge. And um, yeah, ultimately, our goal is, is really to help communities feel better and appreciate their lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah, wonderful, wonderful work you're doing. Um, I wonder if you had a time in your life when you, when you deeply got to understand um, the, the healing power of the yoga practices and then, you know, why that, that perhaps inspired you to do what you're doing. Yeah, I would say, like like yourself and many many others who have been practicing for a long time, many times, uh, there's definitely one that stands out. I, I had a, a herniated disc almost a decade ago, which was quite a, an intense experience. Mm-hmm. Um and it was it was almost immediately after I finished fourth series in Ashtanga, which is a pretty intensely physical practice, as I'm sure you're aware. Um, you know, I was also seeing 60 plus patients a week, which is a lot for an acupuncturist wow. and doing a lot of manual therapy and myofascial hands-on therapy. So there's, there's definitely a lot more to what caused it, but it was such an eye-opening experience for me to go from doing a, a sequence of pretty intense Shoot postures Mm -hmm. that was supposed to make me enlightened or feel better in (laughs) some way um, to incorporating my background in sports medicine and my work with patients in a way that allowed me to really individualize the practices to help people really appreciate their lives. It was was a a pretty huge turning point for me and, and really started the evolution into yoga medicine a few years later, which was, you know, really, I think for me, helping people feel better has always been a fascination of mine. It's really kind of where all my interest has stemmed from since I was even 14 when I started apprenticing with an herbalist. And for me, yoga is just another tool for that, one that, you know, we all have access to. We don't need expensive equipment or tools or, you know, it's this internal owner's manual, this internal empowerment, which is so cool. Mm. Mm, that's so wonderful, and it, it's so interesting to me. You know, you you I know acupuncturists. The study of um, traditional Chinese medicine, it, it's a very intense program to go through. <laughs> you know, I yeah. think people get quite shocked <laughs> about yeah. how much you're studying. Yeah. It's really it is being at med school. Um, so I'm just interested if you could help us sort of for, for the yoga practitioners to understand sort of how, you know, traditional Chinese medicine and yoga practices can complement each other and, you know, ways in which, you know, um, it really informs what you do as a yoga teacher. Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of people are surprised at that. It's, you know, we do four years of pre-med and four years of Chinese yeah. med. And I did a, a two-year specialty in sports med and orthopedics. Wow. wow. Um, for me, traditional Chinese medicine really helps to decode the individual I'm working with. So right. we often talk about it as a root, the root and the branches. So mm-hmm. the root, I think probably in the yoga world might be something we would call someone's constitution mm-hmm. versus the branches being the symptoms. So maybe someone has headaches and indigestion or back pain, you know, but underneath it in Chinese medicine, we're looking at kind of the, the root diagnosis of what's driving all of those symptoms. And so 
I always compare it to a game of connect the dots. Um, you know, like someone comes to you as a yoga teacher and they're like, I have, I have back pain. What should I do? And I'm, I always joke, you know, in our trainings, like that's just one dot. It's almost harder once they leave our trainings because now they have so much information swimming in their head that, you know, we can give generic things that can be helpful a lot of times for things, but really without knowing someone, without getting more dots, I don't really know who this person is to be able to draw a picture of, of what's going on and what might be most helpful. So, um, really being able to draw a better picture of them, um, you know, for instance, you might have 20, 20 people come up with headaches in Chinese medicine, but each will have potentially a different cause and a different approach and, and a different approach needed in yoga. Um, you know, with headaches, some people find inversions make their headaches better. Others makes it terribly worse and some find movement helps or makes it worse or restorative or rest or even heated yoga or the quality of the movement, the breath, the breath ratios. There's so many things to adjust. Um, and so rather than like starting from scratch and just trying all of those, um, you know, one collecting information from them about the, some of those things, but then being able to sketch, you know, a picture in my head by collecting more information and kind of getting to know this person a little bit more, what might be most helpful. And then of course, like anything, um, you know, I have to just start to kind of move forward and, and obviously, you know, erring on the, the safer side so that I'm not making things worse, but, but then experimenting and, um, seeing what helps because even the best theory, whether that's, uh, Western medicine or Eastern medicine, you know, still has to be tested out. Not everyone's going to respond in the perfect way. So, um, the great thing about TCM, cause, cause obviously you can imagine that's kind of similar to Ayurveda. The great thing about TCM is that there's the meridians that tie into this, you know, all to give us more of these physical access points to work with in the practice and the asana. So, um, I, I really like that. And I, when I was in, when I was doing my pre-med and my undergrad, um, gosh, I looked at everything. I looked briefly at Western medicine. I knew I wanted to go into some form of medicine. I looked at Ayurveda. I almost dropped out of college and went straight to Ayurveda school. <laughs> um, uh, but then I apprenticed with an acupuncturist who was also a, a Zen monk, and I just, mm-hmm. I just fell in love with it. And um, it just made sense to me. And um, yeah. yeah, so I like, I like it. It helps me, and and, and it helps me kind of teach. I feel like there's in yoga so many of those books with which is which is great to have. It's a great reference of like do this for headaches or do this for this. Yeah. And it's you know as you probably know it's not that straightforward and so mm-hmm. I really like teaching teachers how to decode and really individualize. Well and as you're saying too of of you know we 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 grow up in the western world and we have no idea of you know the grid the inner you know, circuit, mm. circuit board. Of, and I especially love it in the, when the acupuncturists can work, you know, in a certain part of the body, which is going to affect the liver or um, mm. the sort of magic of, of knowing that how the body is so interconnected. So it must be so fascinating um, you know, yeah. living in that world. I mean, just seeing the world in that, in that way through those eyes is so different. Yeah, and I think it's it's beautiful too because there's still so much we don't know. I feel like, you know, I, I I'm always seeing things through both the eastern and the western yeah. lens. I, I really appreciate the research and and being able to. I think one thing I've done really well with my patients that's been helpful for me is bringing it down to earth and making it relevant for people. But um, there's always this appreciation of what we what we don't know and what we can't explain. And I think that's that's the beauty of the intricacies of life and how incredibly both resilient and adaptable our bodies are and, um, and how many, how many things we don't know about the body, which is pretty cool. 
Um, but that's where I think yoga becomes such a powerful adjunct too, is it's, it's not always about having, I don't need a diagnosis. I don't need to understand everything. Yes. I want to kind of get to know the person better so that I know what might be more helpful for them, but I really get to live in the experience, which is such a powerful part of, of why I believe yoga is such a, a necessary adjunct to our healthcare systems. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and you've talked a little bit about this already, but the benefits of, um, you know, the practices, how does this affect the nervous system, you know, the different cardio, circulatory, lymphatic, the different systems in the body? And I know this is a three-hour, five-hour <laughs> <laughs> question. So, you know, just for our audience, just to sort of break it down a little bit would be helpful. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot more to it, um, but it's why that's why I think we all love these practices. Is there's there's so much to it, and why I really believe purpose driven content is so crucial. Um, and you know, I think a lot of people think res- therapeutics is like restorative yoga, but to me, mm-hmm. therapeutics is really about meeting the individual. And sometimes that's movement, sometimes that's restorative, sometimes that's meditation. Um, but there's something for everyone. And I think when we look at the research and really understanding how yoga is beneficial, we're still really just barely touching the tip of the iceberg when we talk about um, being able to explain it. But you know, one thing we do know are the effects on the sympathetic and parasympathetic regulation and circulatory system, I think, where are a huge part of the effects that we at least can wrap our heads around right now um, as far as Western medicine relates to yoga. Um but we actually know very little about the nervous system and the brain, which is really interesting to me and really interesting to look at things like the placebo studies coming out of Harvard and, and how we look at placebo as a negative thing rather than the power of the mind and how important our perspective is, our, our mindset, you know, also our purpose and setting an intention with practice. All these really simple things um, are such a big part of of what's also, I think, shaping the benefits of our practice. And, you know, we're learning so much more about the brain and, and how powerful it is and regulating so many things, including pain and our experience in the world as, as anyone is all, I think all yogis have experienced firsthand. And then I think there's the other flip side of like the, the sympathetic also gets a bad rap, but new research also shows that the power of stressing the system is really important and affects mm-hmm. on longevity with things like intermittent fasting and athletic training. But What's important is that we can rise to the challenge and then also smoothly transition back to parasympathetic, this kind of also circadian rhythm, which is important. Um, so that's, you know, the nervous system. I think um, with all the superbugs and the viruses right now, the immune and lymphatic systems are really interesting to me. And connective tissue research is really teaching us a lot about that as well. Much of what, you know, can be applied to a yoga practice, much, much of that information from the research can mm-hmm. can be applied to a yoga practice. So, and there's really interesting implications for cancer there too, which we mm-hmm. we still have a lot to learn about. But um, the connection to the connective tissue and and how cancer travels through the body, um, it just comes down to digging in a little more deeply to understand how it all works and creating you know this purpose a purposeful practice to support lymphatics. But I love seeing um, how the new research can really support these things and. Mm-hmm. Um, and the important implications of like how important the flow of the of uh, lymphatic fluid is um, to supporting the immune system, and so it's it's a really interesting, yeah. I think area of new area of study, um, yeah. and it's really easy to support a practice. I just wrote a 
a long article on supporting using yoga to support this, but um, really any easeful movement because mm-hmm. this the system is thixotropic, so it becomes more fluid with movement, which allows for that lymphatic flow to be enhanced, which allows now the fluids to be bathed in our immune cells and our our self antigens, which was really important too. Implications in cancer and um, so easeful any simple easeful movements so like these slow flow classes can be great for that. Um, and then since the lymph nodes congregate around the joints, they also rely on changes in pressure associated with movements is pretty brilliant. So really any movements are helping to pump fluids through the lymph nodes. And um, that that flow is such an important part of the health of the immune system. And um, heart health, I think that's so interesting. I love practicing with a heart rate monitor sometimes, at least when I'm doing more movement-based practices. It's really interesting, I think, to see its effects. And, you know, the more we study the heart, we if you if you look on some of the the websites that talk about heart research and heart health mm-hmm. and what kind of exercise we need for that, it's actually pretty little. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... Uh, you know, getting the heart pumping is, is such an important thing and, and, and a, I think a, a possible thing to do in yoga, again, depending on what's needed and what you need to focus on. Um, so much on the connective tissue, I think, I really think this is like the next wave of sports medicine is, mm-hmm. is connective tissue health. And and there's so many implications for that in yoga and things like yin classes where we're stressing the connective tissues in a way that helps to bring more water into them, which really makes them more resilient. We know that water is resistant to compression. So, um, you know, doing things like yin postures, the the connective tissue is right under the skin and it's kind of like a sponge. So if you think about pulling on that sponge from both both ends, and they've done studies on this, it's really interesting where the, the fluid content of the fascia goes down right away. And then as you come out, once you've stayed in for two minutes or longer, usually in, in most research studies, um, as you're able to relax there and you come out, the fluids come back into the connective tissue right away back to where they were and then keep increasing beyond that for up to three hours afterwards. And they, they actually stopped mm-hmm. <laughs> measuring after three hours. So, um, And there's a whole lot more to connective tissue that there's, gosh, we could talk a long time on that, but yoga is, is such a big part of this. And you know, connective tissue is, is our sensory organ. It's a proprioceptive organ and interoceptive organ. So it's, it's a really interesting one for that, uh, introspective practices mm-hmm. as well. Yeah, um, I was talking with um, a friend the other day, just, so, you know, think about animals in the wild that they mm. have a way of just, um, you know, they naturally know how to stay healthy. They know, you know, at this time of year to eat that kind of food or, you know, um, and they yeah. know how to, you know, rid themselves of stress and they, they're not sitting at a computer for 10 hours a day. And, um, you know, they, there's a sort of natural, um, and so I think in our, you know, culture, we have developed these strange habits and for some folks getting, you know, not moving, it's just the worst possible thing for the body to do. You know, it's like the body's not made to sit. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. Sometimes it's like we can overthink this. And I really love research and appreciate that it can give us all these nuances and we can learn all these things yeah. that we're like figuring out that we just did well naturally. Um, <laughs> yeah. But sometimes it kind of comes back to like, we don't need to overthink it. All these simple things we've done for yeah. decades in yoga can be so powerful. Mm. Um, 
I like to ebb and flow between the two because yeah. it is fun to kind of nerd out and yeah, no, I'm and just into the details, but then also <laughs> not lose sight of like the big picture. <laughs> well, I feel like a scientist, and I often sort of like, oh, my laboratory of like, oh, if I add this in today, or I'm experimenting yeah. with another kind of food, and how does that affect me? <laughs> I love that, and that's yeah. totally the way I think too. And mm. and like you said too, not just on the yoga mat, but. Um, how we eat. And I think one of the beautiful things about yoga and, and one of the big effects that may also makes it hard to study is that it also is instigating all these lifestyle changes. So yeah. it's hard to really pinpoint what's doing what because yes. people are now being more mindful to what they're eating and how they're living and how they're, you know, maybe getting up more of the computer. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think it's an interesting, interesting. And I just comment on that too. I know that when I first started into the world of yoga, all these things changed and my friends were noticing oh you're you're not you know coming out so much or you're you're just like you're there's in and I was reading different kinds of books and I was listening to it it was like oh, I can't explain it it's just you know my inner being was just di- dictating that we do we're, we're going to do it differently and I really yeah. it was a really unconscious kind of thing that was taking place and so I do believe that is like our body is wanting to come back to equilibrium you know it mm. know, it knows it really really knows what's good for us <laughs> you know? yeah yeah and I think I think too when we talk about the benefits of yoga we can also there's some that we can kind of wrap our heads around but then there's things like for me looking at metabolism is really just about creating an environment where the body can thrive and do what it yeah. does best. Yeah. Something that, you know, maybe just simple, mindful, and and really I think a big part of it is non-judgmental practices of really kind of looking at what we need. We have this obsession with, I have to like beat myself up to be healthy rather than this belief in my body's inherent capacity and like desire toward homeostasis, toward this balance and this place where my body can, can metabolize more efficiently. And some of that might be the lifestyle. And then I think there's also things like fertility, which is a really interesting one that we, gosh, we know so little about. Um, and it's such a big field now. Most IVF clinics have a yoga referral network that they send patients to, at least in the U.S. And it's mm. it's pretty well researched in Chinese medicine, the effects and how um, acupuncture and Chinese medicine um, increase success rates with IVF clinics. Um, so there's, but there's so much that we don't know about the female reproductive system yeah. dysfunctions, like infertility and, and polycystic ovaries and endometriosis that the Chinese medicine to me really makes brilliant sense of. Um, yeah. And I think circulation and stress are obviously big components, but there's some really interesting kind of energetic ties in with TCM. Um, there's, a, for instance, a, a specific energetic pathway, kind of like a meridian that runs between the heart and the uterus. It's like a communication, almost mm. kind of like the pituitary function of overseeing everything. It, um, and mm. so, you know, I, I don't know, there's a, there's a lot more to it, but for for people who are struggling with fertility, it's it's one that we just can't really explain in Western medicine. So it's interesting to kind of get to look into some of those nuances of how mm-hmm. um, even just stress reduction around ovulation, you know, can be such a big part of enhancing fertility or movement uh, really focused around circulation through the pelvis, whether that's acupuncture or yoga. Um, I, I don't know. I, I took on a secondary specialty in fertility when I was at Nike because I just had a lot of patients yeah. coming in. And it was, it, it's just really interesting to me that we, we haven't, there's so much we haven't figured out in the Western world mm-hmm. about, about that. So I remember, um, at some stage we were doing some work and interviewed, um, Mr. Desikachar in his, um, center 
in Chennai, um, and he um, was talking with. He allowed us to sit on an interview where he's working with one of his um, clients who was having trouble with uh, fertility. And it was so wonderful, just what you're saying here, of um, looking at her um, whole, you know, story. And um, and as she walked out, she was given, um, here's some meditation um, visualizations, some food um, shift changes. Here's some in Ayurvedic medicine. Here's some yoga postures, and it was like, oh, this is it. this is it. This mm. is how how wonderful, and you know, maybe the healers of the world that this is um, the way. You know, just a great example of the each person you know is has this needs fine tuning in certain ways. And that, yeah. that our lifestyle is much of the problem. <laughs> and, uh, mm. and it's just sort of, as you say, like fine-tuning um, to see where, where it is that we're off balance, where it is that we yeah. can help create an environment that is right, you know, to bring optimum health. Yeah. I always compare it to a plant, too, because oh, I, I think that. Yeah. plants are so obvious. Like, yes. they're going to react to what you put in them. And yes. we don't, like... We don't look at a plant and go, oh, it's so old. <laughs> but I remember, you know, I've, I, yeah. I, I've seen a lot of patients who come in in their 40s and they're like, I'm just getting old. And I'm like, you're only in your 40s. You know? <laughs> it's like, yes, yes, our bodies are changing and we need to embrace that as we yeah. live longer through our lives. But I think a lot of it is also how our bodies are responding to decades of of environmental that maybe that's emotional toxins maybe that's you know stress maybe that's food maybe that's um, lack of movement or or over over exerting ourselves mm-hmm. too over training um, so I, I think it's interesting to think of 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 that as well and mm-hmm. how our bodies are influenced by all this I, I will say I love helping people get out of pain. It's a very rewarding job, but gosh, when I took on that, when I was seeing a lot of fertility patients, I will say that there's nothing, there's few things that have been more rewarding than helping Mm -hmm. women who are struggling to get Mm -hmm. pregnant, which is such a challenging and gosh, to the heart, uh, gosh, challenging thing to work with. Mm -hmm. Um, and so wonderful to have like a wall of, of babies (laughs) from women who have gotten pregnant. So how fabulous! Yeah, really rewarding. Well, um, moving to a topic of you know, just looking at more and more children these days, you know, developing these kind of stress type of diseases, you know, not new. <laughs> um, is that um, you know, health advice do you have for parents? A lot of parents just really anxious to, um, you know, what what would be the regime or some suggestions that you've worked with <laughs> helping parents, you know, deal with you know kids who are really um, struggling yeah gosh I think parenting is probably the toughest job there is in the world <laughs> <laughs> yes. I have stepchildren and um, yeah they're, they're so sweet it's but it's it's taught me so much um, mm. being a parent and, and gosh I definitely don't have the answers on parenting but I do think it's interesting to look at um, how you know the patterns we're creating for our children and yeah. from my perspective too I think pain is something that's really learned at a young age and pain education is really interesting. Um, there's some interesting research out of Australia with Dr. Lorimer mostly on, uh, and Dr. David Butler on, on just how pain education 
can change pain experience as well. And um, mm-hmm. because we learn pain patterns early in life, I think really teaching mindfulness is a foundation for 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 those two because part of it is is being able to look and see. We we actually don't have pain receptors in our tissues, but we have our, our nociceptors, which are basically just sensing uh, changes in pressure, temperature, chemicals, and then extreme changes, and then sending that back to our brain. Our brain, our brain is then filtering that against all of its past experiences and emotions and beliefs about pain or fear of pain. So it's you know filtering around all these things and then telling us you know, is this, is there an inherent danger? And the interesting thing about that is it's, it's always going to err on the side of safety and protection. Mm. So, you know, the, the feelings that we feel aren't, don't always match up with the threat to the tissues. And so for me, this is where yoga becomes such a really important tool is, um, you know, being able to slow down enough and, and maybe, maybe, you know, if it's as simple as just pain in a specific movement of, of, you know, your range of motion is being able to go slow enough to see is, is there in fact pain there? You know, is it, is there actually a threat or a danger? You know, can I relax here and see if it's still there? You know, to be able to kind of realize that pain is actually a teacher, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and if it is painful, if there, if I can go slower and that goes away, you know, maybe it was something else. If I go slower and it's still there, you know, what is it trying to teach? Maybe I shouldn't be moving there. Maybe, you know, maybe not every day, maybe that changes tomorrow. Um, but this kind of, you know, this idea of, of being able to kind of look and take away the judgment take away the, the reactions and the emotional reactivity of it. Um, and really looking at this experience and, you know, reminding ourselves of the fact that, that we all experience stress, we all suffer, um, we all experience pain, um, but really empowering our students to understand their body. Right. Uh, and then, you know, and, and, and children, Rather than being, mm-hmm. you know, fear-based, which I think is a really important thing in the yoga practices, fear-based approaches never benefit anyone. Um, you know, like don't do this, or you're going to mm-hmm. hurt this. You know, we need to empower our students to be advocates of their health and empower them to welcome things like pain as a learning opportunity. If we can slow down enough to listen to it, pain is um, a really important signal. Otherwise, mm-hmm. we lose fingers and toes mm-hmm. and. Um, but it's an interesting field that we're learning so much about pain education and how important it is in, in our younger years as well, mm. um, and and really ap- appreciating it and being able to um, appreciate the experience and 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 then I think on that with children teaching mindfulness, you know, is I think the foundation for pain, but then also for self empathy and and ultimately empathy and compassion for others. And as a parent, I really think this yeah. is our greatest role is to put compassionate humans out into the world. Mm. Uh, you know, that we're not just looking out for ourselves, but how can we work together and support each other, that united thread that we all know links us all and stems from those simple Mm -hmm. mindfulness practices and that non-judgmental attention of being an observer. And the the thing Mm -hmm. of, as you're saying, of being, when when we're unconscious, um, that it's more shocking when things happen. But if you're more conscious and more mindful... Uh, when things are happening, there's there's a you're working along with your body rather than the body f- feels like it's it's done something, <laughs> you know, mm. or you know you're a victim of the body rather than working with it. You know, mm. being in you know in a love relationship with the body and kind kind to the body and choosing, you know, making as you say mindful choices as a young person. 
Exactly. And I think that comes back to what you were talking about with like doing, I always think of it too, like doing a, an experiment, a research yeah. experiment too, so that I can be like, oh, interesting. I'm, I'm an unbiased, the idea of being a, mm-hmm. a, a researcher is that I'm unbiased, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm an unbiased observer of this. And I'm like, interesting that that happened. Mm-hmm. Hmm, was, is that because I'm upset about something else? Or is that because I'm, you know, didn't eat well? Or, you yeah. know, I can be in this conversation of, of not having to take it personally that I'm feeling a certain way, but to be able to kind of notice. And I really think this is, it's such a simple part of what we do, but such a, such a crucial part of what we teach and learn in the yoga practice for for everything gosh <laughs> yeah yeah it is, it is, I, thank god for yoga <laughs> yeah and it's so simple like if we could all appreciate our yoga practice and then maybe our lives and our day and our relationships with curiosity as an observer yes. um yeah. with that of non-judgmental attention which is probably yeah. the hardest part um how cool like how different would our world be yes yes love that um, can you tell us about, I, I love the, the sound of the you know, Good Medicine Saver Foundation and the, the mission that you have and the work you've been doing. Mm, yeah, so our mission with the Yoga Medicine Saver Foundation is to end human trafficking and really to give back to a culture that's given us this, this practice of yoga. So mm-hmm. we, we work with nonprofits on the ground to rescue women from trafficking and human slavery um, in India and specifically focus on empowering them with meaningful vocational skills that bring them above the poverty line, which is a really big deal because there's a lot, not enough, but there are shelters and, and, and resources there. But um, even things like spice grinding don't really bring them above uh, the poverty line. So we, we one, allow them to kind of select from the different vocational skills that we have or try and, you know, help support them if they want something else. So we, have, we have a woman in law school right now. Um, which is so cool. We have some who want to go to college, um, but pairing them with meaningful vocational skills that'll bring them above the poverty poverty line. So when you visit, um, when you visit the shelters and see the situations these girls are in, I think um, you really feel the sense of hopelessness. And then to even see just the sparkle of inspiration in one girl's eyes for me is just mm-hmm. is life changing. And and right now we've got a hundred. We we hold a hundred girls in our shelter. Um, and, and I really believe it's our job to give back. I, I grew up working in my mom's homeless shelter and, and I saw, you know, right away, not only the personal benefits of giving back, cause you know, there is a selfish component of the helpers high, mm-hmm. um, and, and, you know, how we all f- really appreciate that, but seeing the impact and really believing as, as someone who grew up in a, in a world where we had access to education and um, we had all these tools at our fingertips, the, yeah. the importance of really giving back and supporting mm-hmm. a community that's really struggling, that's also given us so much. And as a woman who's had access to education, it just tears me apart to think of yeah. these girls. Um, and yeah, and, and it's, it's really cool because even just $5 goes so mm-hmm. far in India, you know. Mm-hmm. Most people make, you know, a, a good salary for a month in India is 200 to $500. So it's, um, you know, it's, it's our money goes a long way. Our goal is to raise $150,000 by the end of the year, and we've already got 50000 raised. So Yay. last time we raised hundred. So um, we're there, but every little bit counts. So People so get we'll, we can, yeah, we can put the um, link up on the podcast yeah. website. Are there any um, special fundraising or events or anything coming up? 
Well, um, for anyone, so a lot of people will get on CrowdRise. Our teachers will, will get on cool. CrowdRise or students and do like workshops by donation or nice. studios do classes by donation at off times and kind of surprise themselves at how much they raise. And anyone who raises $5,000 or more um, gets to come on the trip that we're doing uh almost a year from now. So next year in, in the end of January, where we go and visit the shelters, which for me is such a, a life changing experience to go yeah. and see. And, and whether you're a yoga teacher or a busy professional or whatever, you know, I, I think it just puts all the stress of our lives in perspective to go and see, yeah. um, to go and see and, and experience these, these women who have been through so much. Yeah. Um, but some of the happiest people I've ever met too. Yes. Um, it's incredible. And to see our capacity for resilience as human beings and how connected we all are, even if we can't always speak the same language or, you know, share the same country. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and, and there's a lot of different ways to get involved for people who have other things. We have a, a it's not listed yet, so this is, <laughs> it will be soon, but we have a gala that we're doing um, to fundraise in August. So mm-hmm. wonderful. Uh, yeah. Well, cool. Well, thank you so much. And it's just beautiful, all the work you're doing. And um, just so lovely to to connect with you. And uh, we'll, um, our audience can go onto your website to find out more about yoga medicine and also the research work you're doing, which I think is such a, a great, um, sometimes quite hard, hard to find different um, research articles about yoga. So I'm so glad you're able yeah. to do that and uh, you, yeah. you're commu- you have a community of folks who are helping with that is that right yes yeah and so great and thank you for having me and I'll, I'll end with the the note of I think what's so important whether you you know spend the time to read the research or not is to our belief in our capacity to be resilient that we don't really need fancy practices though mm-hmm. I think as human beings um as we learn and grow about well, wellness and health or yoga. I think that's also a big part of supporting our health and wellness too, is the education component and commitment to learning over, over the years. But this belief in our inherent resilience mm-hmm. um, and capacity as human beings, I think is such an overarching theme um, and the power of our mindset as we approach our day, our life, our yoga um, to really change our lives and change our communities. Mm, thank you. Wow. So beautiful. Yeah, that's that's extraordinary. I love that. Um, a great believer in that myself. You know, we just have this great power and resilience, and um, and our practices can help remind us that too. So um, keep up the wonderful work you're doing, and and so great to talk with you today. Thank you for taking the time. Thank you. Thanks for the great talk. Thank you. Thanks so much for joining us. Please leave us a review so that others can find us.